you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. And happy week one. We made it, y'all. It's here, man. We survived the long, dark night of the preseason, and now we have emerged into the sunshine of the regular season. Did we, though? Uh, sort of. We kind of have. Sort of. Yeah. Boy, th- boy, this weekend was just... It's, it's not like, been a fun weekend. Insane. I know. We barely survived. Like, I was in Phoenix, <laughs> and, like, I was, you know, trying to update my rankings, and it was uh, it was an interesting uh, interesting oh, I, day or two. So I, I didn't even attempt to... to oh, I didn't. <laughs> I knew it would be worthless. Like, somebody who's going to get, like... Well, multiple people got cut, and we'll get to that. I say, we'll, we'll get to that. We, we got lots to talk about because, yes, there were there were cut downs over the weekend as all the teams got to 53 men on their rosters. Uh, so there were some surprising names, maybe not some not-so-surprising names that got let go, but definitely some names that shook things up in fantasy. So we will talk about that. Uh, oh, by the way, happy Labor Day, guys. Um, that's what we labor here, on. Labor. Here, in, uh, here in, uh, in the States, it's Labor Day for, for most people, but uh, we're at work. So. It's, not, it's not too bad. I mean, we're just here this morning. I mean, No, it's great because I got on the freeway and it took me less than 10 <laughs> minutes to get to work. Yeah. Like the Lord intended, it took me less than 10 minutes to get to work as opposed yeah, to see, most work days when it's like 35 or see, 40 you have minutes. a drive now. I, I, I do. I still have a little bit of just a, a walk. And so the, where, where did you move to? Uh, I am I am sort of in no man's land. Okay. Uh, like technically, I think I'm Inglewood, but if I walk one block west, I'm El Segundo. If I walk two blocks uh, south, I'm Hawthorne. That's right. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> Are you like preparing for like the eventual move in 2021? Now you're even closer. Uh, I am super close, and like I can drive by it. I see it off the freeway in the morning. It looks like a giant dinosaur skeleton rising yeah. up out of the ground. I flew over it yesterday. Yeah, I took a picture. Yeah, yeah. the stadium there. The it stadium in Inglewood. Cool when you fly over, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. actually, when you drive up close to it, it, it's cool too. I see it every now and then, be, just because there's like a really awesome Jamaican restaurant like across the street from the stadium that my girlfriend and I go to every once in a while. Um, so we kind of get, you know, sort of our own little progress reports on it. But it looks great. Nice. Uh, so we'll talk about the things that happened in the weekend. We'll talk about just kind of a draft season wrap up now that we're at the end of fantasy draft season. Some things we learned, some guys that we love and don't love, and maybe some things that we'll remember or try to remember uh, for this time next year so we don't make some of the same mistakes again. Plus, the season's starting. So I know a lot of you have done your drafts. But there's still guys on the waiver wire. It's never too soon to start making waiver wire moves. So we'll throw out some early uh, preseason, early season waiver wire names to keep an eye on. So it should be a pretty full show today. But before we get all that in, we'll go behind the glass and talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's up? It, it is just so wild that it's already week one. Like, I feel like it was just yesterday. Like me, you, and uh, and Grant, we were all headed down to Indian, freezing cold yeah. in Indianapolis. Right. Combine. Oh and now God. today it's going to be like yeah. 90 degrees here. Football starting. It gets, like, we, I watched college football the entire weekend. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like, Dude. Snap of fingers. I was in Arizona, and it was 106 degrees. Mm-hmm. Sounds comfy. And I was at AIC. It was maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock, and it was 100 degrees. 
That's, cr- just that's crazy. Disgusting. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's Phoenix for uh, you. Uh, I, I've never been there before in the summertime. Oh, yes. No, it's I, not pleasant. My best friend lives there, and I tell him all the time, I can come visit you from, like, October to, sure. like, April. Uh, and even April's kind of pushing it. But after, <laughs> after like, mid-April, I'm like, you got to come see me because I'm not coming to visit you anymore. It is yeah, good there yeah. at nighttime, though. When you, you want to walk yes. outside when it's yes. still warm, you can sit and eat dinner outside. That right. feels good because sometimes in L.A., it does get chilly at night. It cools like, off. You can wear a jacket and stuff. like You can go, you know, you know T-shirt, shorts, and uh, Phoenix, no problem at all. Right, right. So, all right. So, enough of that. It's getting hot in fantasy world. So, let's do some news. <laughs> Well, let's start with these holdout running backs here because we had some news that came out over the weekend, plus a little bit of news that hit Twitter just about an hour before we started recording here. Uh, So we kind of just lumped these in together, right? First, with Melvin Gordon, the Chargers over the weekend gave him permission or gave his reps permission to go out and seek a trade. They have also said that they will suspend all talks with him until after the season. So basically, the situation for Melvin Gordon is you either play for us, you figure out a trade, or you don't play at all, uh, which I guess is the situation for most guys. But uh, so he's sort of in limbo right now. It looks like nothing is really moving on that front. Uh, and then other piece of news, Jane Slater, our own Jane Slater here, just tweeted out about an hour ago. Yeah, this sucks. A source informed tells me that while talks with Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott continued late Sunday, the deal is still, quote, not close. When I asked what's holding it up, the answer was the same as last month, quote, everything so here we are guys uh we are a couple of days away from the regular season starting and there are two major backfield pieces that are missing i had been of the belief that zeke would get something done that melvin gordon might drag on a while but fabs looks like both these guys may be a little bit away from actually showing up and playing football right now yeah i'm sticking with what i've said all along i didn't think he would miss regular season games and if he did it would be one or two that's where i'm at that's where I'm still at. And I mean, listen, I understand that the uncertainty causes a lot of stress in our lives. You know, fantasy owners were, were uh, a little squeamish with, with all this kind of stuff. Just a little. Just a little bit. But also remember that, I mean, when Zeke was, was suspended for six games, he was still like the RB12. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude is going to produce. So I'd rather still take him in the first round and have to reach a little bit for Tony Pollard to ensure myself or, or draft depth at, at running back then miss on his production because it's coming. As for Gordon, see, that I have no Gordon shares at all I, because people were drafting him before I was comfortable doing that. I still have three drafts left, so we'll see where he ends up now. But I've always said that I thought Gordon was going to miss regular season games and potentially significant regular season games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I think the Chargers saying that, hey, you, you can now actually uh, look for a trade is basically just telling him your trade market is zero. And you have right. two options. You can either hold out for the entirety of the season or come back at some point and play for us. That's right. really right. what I the Chargers are trying to say. Who is going to give up anything significant no for one. Gordon? No one is. And who and is going to pay, pay him. him more than $10 million a year? No one. No. Right. Gordon is shooting himself in the foot, Yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And I, look, I, I am all for guys going out and trying to get paid. But I think that the reality is Gordon just doesn't have that kind of leverage right now. Um I know people are still drafting him in the fourth, fifth round. He's still coming off the board, uh, but that just looks it looks a little sketchy. It makes me feel better about the places where I have Austin Eckler and or Justin Jackson yep. right now, because I just don't I don't see 
a real end to this anytime soon. Zeke, on the other hand, is the one that, because I, I, like I said, I believed he was going to get something done fairly quickly. I've been saying it's hard to see him getting out of the first round, even with all this dragging on. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've also been advising folks to go get Tony Pollard win yeah. and wear this. Yeah, game. dude, you have to just be smart about it. Listen, if, if you want Zeke, you have to, you're going to have to possibly reach for Pollard. It's just part of the deal. I'm drafting. Um, I've got a few drafts left and I'm taking Zeke at four or five overall. Yeah, I am uh, too. still because I mean, I too. Uh, Rich Rebar made this good point. Uh, Sharp football is rich, rich Rebar this week. Um, he made a point. It was like, you know, we expect, we know when Zeke, when Zeke was going to be suspended, he was still like the RB five or RB six in ADP. Like we were still taking in the you know back half of the first round, early mm-hmm. second round right now. He should not be slipping too, too far. They'll, they'll get something done here. It's just annoying that this has all been done through the media. Essentially this, yeah. these, these contract negotiations, negotiations have been done through the media. So. Yeah. I, I saw there was a couple of high stakes league, or at least one of them where Zeke fell to like the 11th overall pick. There's no way I would let him fall that far. Heck no. Just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, this is the thing. And, and you know, I, we'll sort of dig into kind of this thing a little bit later on. We, we do this draft season wrap up. But this is one that has sort of become maybe a little more uh, involved than I, than I thought it was going to be. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that as it, as it goes along. Uh, other big running back news that hit over the weekend. And, Graham, I know you said you had takes on this. So I am, uh, I'm very interested to talk about this now. Um, the Bills over the weekend cut LaShawn McCoy. I don't know that that was a huge surprise. Like, I felt like that was a case of a team's actions being different than their words. Like, publicly, they kept saying that he has a role on this team. We're going to get him involved in the offense. But everything the Bills did suggested otherwise. Going to get Frank Gore, drafting Devin Singletary, adding TJ Yeldon. It just suggested that maybe they were ready to move on. So, not long after he got cut, he signed somewhere, which isn't a surprise. He signs in Kansas City. So, they've already got Damian Williams. They've got Darwin Thompson, who became everyone's fantasy darling in the preseason. And then a report hits the Athletics saying that McCoy could, quote, take a large percentage of the backfield snaps. Uh, Graham, takes, go. Yeah. Well, let, <laughs> let's, let's back up here. Like, the, the Bills saved $6.4 million by cutting LaShawn McCoy. Now, granted, he, he's coming off the worst season of his career. I mean, he averaged like under 3.2 yards per carry, was in the bottom of the league in success rate, missed tackles forced, yada, yada, yada. But now he's in this just absolutely perfect situation with a coach he's got history with. Um, To me, it speaks volumes that like Kansas City not only went out and immediately jumped to get LaShawn McCoy, but they gave him more guaranteed money than Damian Williams. Uh, McCoy got around $3 million in guaranteed money. Um, again, it's September. A little bit different than Damian Williams getting $2.1 million guaranteed. Kind of a buy-low opportunity, I think, the Chiefs saw in December or January last year. Um, but many people think that, that McCoy is done, and Andy Reid doesn't. That matters to me. You know? Yep. That yeah. matters. I, I tweeted out yesterday um, that... When McCoy was 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 uh, released, he was a 31-year-old washed-up running back, and no one was surprised. When he signed with the Chiefs, McCoy was still a 31-year-old running back who is washed up and now is going to put a major dent into the touches of Damian Williams. Like, this thing can go several ways. Yes. McCoy could start, and Williams be the third down back. Williams could start and be in a backfield committee with McCoy. Regardless of the situation, it's all bad for Damian Williams. 
I dropped him down to the to the running back three area. Mm. I, I would feel safe taking him as a flex starter just because of the historical success running backs have had under Andy Reid. The fact that McCoy has not looked good uh, this past season in Buffalo. But, I mean, this one hurts. If you drafted Damian Williams right. as, as your, your two or maybe even your one, you got to be scratching your head right now. I still think Damian Williams has league-winning potential. It's just now his range of outcomes is significantly, significantly wider. I was buying yes. Damian Williams because I thought he had a high floor. It was basically like, okay, if he can just overtake Carlos Hyde, which he did with ease, and you know, outplay Darwin Thompson, which he was going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a pretty high floor. Now that floor is significantly shrunken with McCoy on the field. I, I still think these guys can be like weekly flex plays um, because the offense is so good and because there should be plenty of scoring opportunities, but just like, I really don't know what the touch split is going to be. I, I could see a, a true like 50-40 split between these. Two and, and it could be different week to week, depending on right. who's got you know who's hot in the backfield that week. Right. Are we sure Lashawn McCoy is washed? I mean, I know I know I know, I know the numbers were bad Man. last year, right? Two years ago, he had fifteen hundred scrimmage yards. Please, right? please play devil's advocate because I did this. I'm, I'm did this doing it right night. now because two yeah. years ago he had he had almost 1,600 scrimmage yards two years ago, still playing in Buffalo. Last year, the Bills had arguably the worst yes. run blocking line yes. in the National Football League. And yes, I know Josh Allen ran for a whole lot of yards, but so many of those were improvised, not planned yards that he picked up. Right. Look, I know he's 31 years old. I know he's 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 put a lot of wear and tear into this thing. I'm just not convinced that we have seen the last of LaShawn McCoy. I especially now because this is this is. The, the spot for a running back to, to have you know advantageous box situations, uh, be put in, in space in the passing game. I mean, Andy Reid's screen game is the best in the NFL. Um, but let's back up to, to McCoy's ineffectiveness last year. I, I pulled this up last night. Uh, LaShawn McCoy faced one extra defender in the box, so basically he had at least one unaccounted for defender by the blocking scheme on 45% of his carries last year. That was the second most in the NFL behind Chris Carson. You mentioned the Bills' offensive line. They ranked 20th of 32 teams in yards before contact last year. The Chiefs were third, third best, top three. I I mean, I'm with you. Like, McCoy probably doesn't have the same juice he had in his legs when he was 25. He probably doesn't have the same cuts. None of us do. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the same juice in the same cuts he has. But, like, this is the scheme for running backs to succeed on limited touches. Yep. And both Damian Williams and McCoy, for me, are – like RB3 flex plays week one. Yeah, and McCoy last season, 314 yards after contact, 227 total rush yards after contact. I mean, yeah, the, the, those those indicate his after his after contact numbers were really really bad yeah. last year. There's those no, indicate no, a guy that's yeah. that's on that's you know he, he's he's on the downturn. Let's Sh- put it that sure, way. but okay, so you're on the clock right now. Yeah, where where are you taking both of these guys? So I was in a draft last night. I believe Williams fell until the fifth round. That feels about right. And I, I, it wasn't me that took him. And then McCoy went. McCoy still went right around the same time he was going when people were expecting him to be the lead back in Buffalo. I feel like some of that, though, is because a lot of sites, you know, like because this thing happened over the weekend, it wasn't like he got moved up in a lot of draft rankings. And so it's easy to sort of forget. And you're like, oh, yeah, you start scrolling. You're like, oh, yeah, LaShawn McCoy is here. Let's go get him. Um, so I think that that's sort of a function of just, you know, programming <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, let's go back to Buffalo, though, now. Right. So McCoy is out of the picture. Devin Singletary was a name that was becoming more and more popular over the last couple of weeks. But there is a story, uh, I believe also in The Athletic, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that says he will not be a featured back very early in the season. That uh, it could be the immortal Frank Gore. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, that, that maybe we see some TJ Yeldon and some Singletary sprinkled in. 
uh, does this change how either of you feel, or is this more of a wait and see till like the back half of the season for him? Yeah. So um, I talked to uh, Devin's agent, and from what he's told me, um, it's going to be Gore and Devin. They're going to be in the backfield. Maybe you'll get a little TJ Yeldon sprinkled in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Gore starts week one. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Singletary either. Uh, they're not going to push Singletary into a featured role right out of the gate. I would think, as you mentioned, that maybe the the touches will increase somewhat as the season rolls on. I don't see a true featured role for him right now yep. because Frank Gore is there. It's kind of like expecting a quarterback to start 16 games when Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the roster. It's just not going to happen. So uh, I would temper expectations with Singletary at the beginning of the season. I have him ranked as a running back three that I'd probably rather have as a four in a 10-team league, but that, that's where he is at this point. Singletary has offers by far the most upside here, yes. but I'm with you on Gore. He's definitely going to take some early down snaps, definitely going to take the goal, some of the goal line work, and TJ Yeldon will probably mix in on thir- uh, third downs. This was always in the range of outcomes, like, like we mentioned. I mean, the Bills saved over $6 million by cutting McCoy, mm-hmm. and they're going with a much cheaper um, kind of rotation here. Yep. Um, I just don't I don't foresee any of these guys being uh, someone I'm, I want I want to put in my lineup at least to start the season. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, moving on, though, Marcus, one thing I wanted to bring up, too, was the Houston Texans just went nuts over the weekend. Yeah, they, uh, they did a whole Bill O'Brien dealing was dealing. wheeling and dealing like a madman and bringing in uh, Laramie Tunsil is such a good move. If you have Deshaun Watson bringing in Kenny Stills is such a good move. If you have Deshaun Watson, not if you have Kiki, Man, QT not so much potentially Kiki QT or but, Will Fuller, People but are it is. But but Watson could legitimately and I think you and I agreed on this yeah. before this all happened, that Watson could legitimately push Patrick Mahomes for being the QB one this season. And now the Texans have made some moves to fortify the offensive line, give him another weapon in the passing game and a guy who can take it deep. This was a nice weekend for Deshaun Watson. There's no question about the, that. The people that took Mahomes in the – well, that's actually another conversation. The people <laughs> that took Mahomes in the second and third round of their drafts are going to be pissed. Because Deshaun you could have gotten Watson like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, depending on uh, how, how your league uh, rewards quarterbacks in terms of scoring. And then if you, you go to the flip side on that, right, so they also brought in Carlos Hyde. Eh, I mean, eh, whatever. Uh, maybe he takes some goal line work away from Duke Johnson. I, I don't see him as a major dent uh, in terms of his, his value. But Miami, Miami is going to be the offense that Awful. everyone streams defenses against all season long. Not only do they have Fitzpatrick under center, their offensive line, their offensive so line is garbage so and it just got worse. Ravens are going to eat. They're going to score 20 fantasy points in week one. And every week you're going to want to look ahead and see who's playing the Dolphins to stream defenses against them. I think if, if someone benefited from the moves, Albert Wilson is a little bit, more attractive to me. Yeah, I, I liked him as a deep. I, I, had, I had a draft yesterday and I took season. him late. Yeah. Yeah. Took yeah him late. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, Chad O'Shea, if he follows suit, which wide receiver is going to benefit in that offense? The slot receiver, Albert Wilson is going to play a lot of the slot. You got Devontae Parker there. Preston Williams also sees some, uh, some increase in value as well. But I mean, you know, we talked about like McCoy and the whole running back situation, but that whole thing in Houston, that had fantasy implications. Yeah. yeah. Re- real quick before we move on uh, about the Texans receivers, getting Kenny Stills kind of, it makes this receiver corps, like it, this receiver core even more flexible. Like getting, the, like being able to put Kenny Stills 
on the outside and move DeAndre Hopkins into the slot, for mm-hmm. example. Like it just gives these guys more room, I think, to to line up all over the formation. I, I'm very very. Ex- I mean, the Texans' offense is going to be so. You think these guys are going to run like a lot of ten personnel? I hope with, with the addition I, of Stills. If Bill O'Brien were smart, which is jury's still out. <laughs> Texans should go like extremely pass heavy this year mm-hmm. and just just but they mean, have they have the perfect offense to do Duke Johnson's a fantastic yeah. pass catching running back they've got four great receivers they've now actually got a decent left tackle they they should just they should just air this thing out yeah I don't I don't I'd love for them to go them. 10 personnel I don't see them running the football a whole lot this year I just don't I, I don't think they're built for it so or Deshaun Watson drops. yeah here's the thing and like now I'm, I'm definitely because you know I was definitely the Andrew Luck will be the QB one but obviously for for obvious reasons that's not going to happen this year RIP uh so yeah I can I can get behind Deshaun Watson yeah. taking over that spot uh Jarek McKinnon will miss, will miss another season he was placed on injured reserve as he is continuing to deal with a knee injury look I I know that for the last couple of weeks we were all fading McKinnon and Matt Breida was becoming the the second running back of choice there in San Francisco I, I, I just put this on here just because I sort of marvel at how how things change over the over a couple of months right like we were talking in in what March April like man I don't want any part of this backfield I don't know what's going on there's so many guys there to uh now it's it's pretty much cleared itself up. It is uh it's pretty much worked itself out. Tevin Coleman's the one, Matt Breed is the two, and we move on. I don't Col- know. Coleman will get sixty percent of snaps, Breed gets forty percent week one, and Breed has the t- opportunity to flip that on its head uh this season. I- I'm I'm excited about this backfield. The Niners face the easiest slate of run defenses to start mm-hmm. this season too. Yeah, I mean week one, Tevin Coleman is is gotta be in your lineup, even if he's uh flex. No, no question about that. Yeah, I mean it just I think we knew that the, there was the potential for there to be some good running backs out of this backfield. We just were confused about which ones they were going to be a few months ago. But, uh, yep. you know, hey, time time clears things up. Yep, and that offense very conducive to running backs having success. Yeah, I mean, that's what Kyle Shanahan does. Uh, last bit of news, a couple of first-round wide receivers from the 2016 draft were let go by their uh, respective teams. Josh Doxson out in Washington, Laquan Treadwell out in Minnesota, the Treadwell one, I think we could all sort of see coming. That really never, really never clicked there. Doxon, maybe a little bit more of a surprise because it seemed like he was always on the verge of something and just never quite got there. Um, the Redskins went out and got two receivers, though. They got Terry McLaurin. Yes. Kevin yep. Kel- Harmon. I mean, yep. that's... You know, who, you know who you should be grabbing late, though, is that Trey Quinn. Trey Quinn, I know, is the name that everybody yep. wants. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jordan Reed, as long as he can stay healthy... He's coming off a concussion yeah. in the preseason, but I, I, mean, I could see just sort of like the Dolphins, just no Redskins being fantasy relevant every single week, besides maybe guys, maybe guys occasionally, leagues, but that's it. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, between them and the Dolphins, uh, fantasy wasteland. Things are bleak. Yeah. Uh, in that in that part of the the fantasy world. So, yeah. There you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right. So I know for some of you, you are still doing drafts and you'll be doing drafts probably, you know, who knows, all through the week. But for the majority of people, they've had their drafts. The draft season is over. We're sort of packing things up and, and getting things ready for the actual regular season. So I want to just kind of talk about some of the, the things that we kind of took away from this draft season. Um, I had a few questions as I was kind of pouring through ADPs and looking at stuff. Uh, the one thing I took away from this or, or want to know, uh, I, I know in the past 
we sort of use preseason as a measure of, of who's going to be on the field when, how the touches are going to be distributed. But as we've kind of gone along the last couple of years, right, teams are using their starters less and less. Uh, we know the Rams don't play them at all. Um, more teams are starting to follow that mold. They're starting to kind of use the preseason to figure out how their the rest of their roster is going to stack up. Can we still use the preseason as a measure of trying to figure things out? Or are those days sort of over now? We can. I, I, I'll say, I mean, the samples are getting, they got a lot smaller this year. We saw way fewer teams play uh, their first team. Um, the Chargers basically didn't play Phillip Rivers at all. Uh, Drew Brees played eight snaps this preseason. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense to risk your key starters in just these meaningless exhibition games, especially guys that have been around for a super long time. I think this trend will continue to the point where maybe in a few years, the preseason is almost like worthless for us to project opportunity. There may be fewer preseason games in our futures. That's also Mm -hmm. most likely the case. Yeah. Um, I still think it's super valuable just to like see also like how certain players are progressing year over year. Like James Washington was freaking bad. Awesome. And he, and he still didn't move up in my drafts. Yeah. Like I got him late in a couple of leagues. Like people aren't buying in because they see Dante Moncrief ahead of him on the depth like, chart. Like so. young players do get better year over year. It's great. It's nice to use the preseason as a tool in that sense. And also, I mean, obviously use it for usage purposes. But yep. like you mentioned, Marcus, I mean, it's it kind of sucks. Like <laughs> we can't really like... Uh, last year was a great – this is probably one of the best examples I can remember of preseason usage, right? It's like Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey were on the field together literally on every single play for like – like basically games worth of plays. And it was like, oh, my God, Christian McCaffrey is never <laughs> going to leave the field this year. And he never did. Um, those situations and those types of play uh, areas where we can pro- significantly project usage have, have definitely gone down. That, that's where I see a lot of value in preseason is, you know, seeing – which players are playing which which players, right? I mean, you know, we're trying to find out, you know, who's who's going to be the starting running back in Tampa Bay or, you know, who's going to be uh, on the field most, a uh, wide receiver. Like, right. you know, we, we saw Chris Godwin basically was on the field every snap that Jameis Winston was under center. I mean, we kind of already knew, but th- that's, nice that's, to get that's a nice little indication <laughs> that we're on the right path there. So, but uh, what will be funny is that uh, the, I guess, Besides James Washington, the other like preseason hero was Jacoby Myers. Mm-hmm. And let's see if that translates into anything yeah. during the regular season. If he actually gets snaps. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. He may or may not. If they bring back Demarius Thomas, which has been reported, he may not. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. That wide receiver group is sort of a mess. It's it's always a mess. It's sort of a mess. It's always a mess, <laughs> right? man. Edelman is the only constant. The only constant, man. Uh, speaking of wide receivers... We have gotten to a point where I know we always look at the position and we say it's deep, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there. But what I as I started to kind of go through ADPs again, right? You hit a spot kind of in the you know fifth round, sixth round, where you're sort of sifting between a lot of guys that have almost similar value. Like you may not be super excited about them, but they're not necessarily going to you know go bust on you. So it just made me wonder: Have we reached the point, Fabs, where is 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 the wide receiver deep? Or is it just there's a lot of bodies? Because I think there's there's sort of a difference there. No, I, I think it's deep. Okay. I, there, I think there's – I mean, there's a ton of talent at that position. And I was in – again, I was in a draft last night, and I decided to go running back, running back. I had done it a couple of times uh, over the course of the draft season, still have three drafts left. And, you know, I ended up with Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. And, like, I'm happy with that. And I will tell you this. Uh, a source of mine, by the way, has told me that – Cooper Cup, if Cooper if, Cup. if he is if he is not 
the wide receiver in Los Angeles to target on the Rams. He's close to Robert Woods, and that Brandon Cook should be third, and it's not even a question. Yeah, not even a question. And he's he's a source who's around the Rams. So take that for for what it is. But do not forget if you have drafts that Cooper Cup is Jared Goff's guy. And if he's out there and healthy, and it seems like he is, do not let Cooper Cup fall too far in your draft. Cup or Coop? Sorry. (laughs) Get a (laughs) Coop. Sorry. Uh, No, it's definitely deep. You mentioned um, you started a draft with two straight running backs over the weekend. I started our fantasy live league draft with three straight running backs. Mm -hmm. I went DJ Chubb and Devonta Freeman. My receivers are still Chris Godwin, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, I uh, got Geronimo, Marvin Jones. Like, it's just deep. Like, there's just, there's teams are throwing more, more receivers are seeing more targets. It's just, it's kind of spreading out the volume. I yeah. Think. And if, yeah, if there's if, 40 or 50 guys that you could feel comfortable starting on every, on a week I mean, basis. think about it. Like, you know, Mike Williams and you've got DD Westbrook, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. Now we got Josh Gordon back. Like, there's just so much talent at the Bishop, Calvin Ridley. It, it, it's crazy. Like, I have no problem going into a PPR league with Robert Woods and Chris Godwin as my top two. I don't have Michael Thomas, you know, I don't have Julio, but my running backs are going to be pretty stacked. Yeah. So I, I'm fine. I'm good there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's sort of how I'm feeling, but I'm also sort of like, you know, these are guys that that will have some spike weeks and some some just disappearing weeks, and I guess that's sort of the thing sure. that we don't, you know, outside of. I guess it's this way with every position, right? After you get past maybe the third round. There's so much more variance. But, but you build around that, right? So if you start your league with three running backs, in theory, those three running backs are going to be gaining and consistently gaining Every the majority week. of your points. Mm-hmm. So if you have these spike-weak receivers, like you mentioned, Robbie Anderson's my number two receiver in this league, for example. He's not going to always be a consistent 10 to 15-point guy, but he's right. going to have some of those spiked weeks. And when he has a week that's on the lower end, it's fine because I've got three stud running backs that are propelling me every single week. This team that I drafted last night, I thought of you because this was like if you and I drafted a team together. Chubb, this I saw you got it. Chubb and Godwin. I, I've got Chubb. <laughs> I've got Godwin. Woods. Uh, I've got Miles Sanders, your guy. i got Lamar Jackson. Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams. I mean, the the one thing I got Eric Ebron, I'm not real thrilled with, but everyone went tight end so quickly that I just punted it until the end. Yeah. And then I grabbed Chris uh, Herndon, uh, and eventually he'll be my tight end one, I believe. Uh, speaking of the Patriots wide receivers, uh, news just broke that Nikhil Harry is going to be on IR. IR boomerang, as our friends at yeah. uh, around the NFL have coined it. But his, uh, his stock went down so uh, fast yeah i loved i loved him coming out of arizona state but uh, it has not been a good start to his career so he's with uh, three different injuries right now i think he yeah. had ankle hamstring uh didn't he have a hand issue earlier in camp at some too? point yeah so uh he is on the the injured reserve designated to return so we will likely see him again this hey, season but it won't be hey Kobe myers hey, hey marcus mm. josh gordon <laughs> Dude, I'm just gonna say so, you're so Josh excited. Gordon. Just the look on your face, man. Was, uh, Can't wait, man. That's yeah. that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> we talked a little bit about Zeke and Melvin Gordon. So this is the second year, though, that we've had major holdouts that are extending into the season. We I don't think we figured out how to deal with these yet. I mean, because I guess there's so many variables, there's so many unknowns. We go into the sea. It's one thing you're talking about a holdout who's, you know, kind of a mid-round guy or whatever. But, like, we're talking about guys who potentially are first-round fantasy picks holding out. I don't know if we can come up with a plan. I just don't know if it's possible. But this is this is becoming a normal thing now, it feels like. I don't know. It's an annoyance is what it is. <laughs> 
I, gives I, me a headache. There's now. there's no way to, to know how to forecast you can't know. these things. You can't. Unless you're you're literally in line talking with the agents, you know, like you, you just can't. You can't project these things. Nope. I wish I wish there was a way, uh, which, but there's not. And which is the, the thing that, you know, all we know we all all we, we all we can do is read the tea leaves. Right. And I know we all get tweets about it. People asking, you know, what should I do? When is he coming back? And my response has just been to be open about it. Like, I don't know. I yep. really don't. All I can do is is read all the same Twitter reports that we all have access to and and give you my best guess. And I think anybody who, who tells you they know for certain exactly. is not your friend and is lying to you. Yep. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. That's all. Um, look at the guys who kind of moved up, moved down over draft season. Uh, for you guys, there's a, a guy that you loved more as draft season went on, a guy that you loved less as draft season went on. Who 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 were some of the big movers for you this this offseason? Oh, Carson, for me, um, I moved him up big time. He's a uh, he's at 13, and uh, I've been trying to get him in in my drafts. I, I just feel like Rashad Penny's not going to put as big of a dent in his touches as it maybe we had projected initially before preseason began. Uh, in that offense, that's going to run the ball a ton. He, he's really moved up for me. Chris Godwin has continued to move up for me. I, I've been all in on him since last season, and I think he's going to have a, a, a huge, huge campaign. Lamar Jackson's moved up for me as well. Um, I've got him ahead of you know Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger in my quarterback position in the preseason rankings. And then you know dudes that have fallen, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with with you on, on Damian Williams. Like mm-hmm. I love the situation. I love the fact that Andy Reid's running backs have always had success. He was great last year. Small sample size towards the end of the campaign. But I, I didn't get him in any of my drafts, and I don't know if it was subconsciously because I was concerned that he couldn't handle uh, being a featured back at the NFL level for 14 to 16 games. I'm not sure. But the fact that the Chiefs brought in LaShawn McCoy, partially because he's got a relationship with Andy Reid, of course, from their time in Philadelphia, but also maybe they feel sort of that way too. Mm-hmm. And Dante Pettis is another guy that that I was pretty high on going into camp, and I've kind of cooled a little bit on him as well. So... Uh, I don't have any shares of him either. Just a lot of mouths to feed there in San Francisco. Yeah, one of the big ones for me is is Leonard Fournette. I kind of went into this year expecting Fournette um, not to not just not to have very much, but his cost has just kind of remained in the third round. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been a, I mean, he's going to be a bell cow back on a significantly improved team with a, his offensive line back healthy. Um, Fournette is is definitely someone who I've. Uh, th- I thought I would be out on this year because I figured his price would move up at some point, but it just never did. He never just, did. He's just stuck as a third round pick, and yep. I, I've been loving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Fabs, on Chris Carson. Like I was really big on him. Uh, yeah, a guy that in the last couple of weeks I've started to sort of buy in on uh, has been Carson Wentz at the quarterback spot. Just you know, the idea obviously is that he has to stay healthy, but just remembering how good he is when he has been healthy and, and been on the field. And the Eagles' depth on offense is just un- it's unbelievable right it's unbelievable yeah I mean they have the best deepest receiver court they have the best offensive line and now Miles Sanders op- offers versatility that he hasn't had Carson Wentz has not had in the backfield in some ways it reminds me of you know the Saints from five or six years ago where you know you, you knew Drew Brees was a guy you wanted to have on your roster the wide receivers were sort of hit or miss because you just didn't know whose turn it was going to be each and every week but it didn't you know that, that doesn't that didn't affect the quarterback at yeah. all yeah so I mean, it, it people. I mean, it, people are sick of dealing with Carson Wentz's injuries, and I think he's now gone from like overrated to underrated, back to being overrated, and now he's <laughs> underrated again. Right. He has the QB one upside. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Absolutely. Like he could finish the season with 40 plus touchdowns and maybe a few rushing scores and and outscore both Mahomes, Watts and Rogers. Like that is within his range of outcomes this year. And he's stayed cheap. And can we agree that um, and I've seen him go a little bit higher in recent drafts. But can we agree that Lux retirement sort of boosted him a little bit because he's that one guy that was sort of next in line uh, to potentially be a top five fantasy quarterback? Him and Cam. I yeah. Think. Yeah, right. yeah, it was him and Cam. Right. I've kind of valued them pretty similarly. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, you mentioned Andrew Luck. I mean, that that really changed how I felt about Marlon Mack. Uh, I, I felt a lot differently about Marlon Mack a few weeks ago. Uh, now that Andrew Luck's not there, everybody everybody in that offense sort of takes a hit, and, and Marlon Mack was one for me. I, I didn't get lucky on Damian Williams, uh, but I definitely got a little bit lucky on Marlon Mack. He was never going in a range where I felt comfortable because there's so many receivers I liked around his ADP, mm-hmm. and now it's just like... The spiked weeks will be really nice, but the floor yeah. is a little bit scary. Yeah, I still feel at the end of the day he's going to end up being a top 20 running back this season. If he stays healthy and he gets all the volume, he absolutely it'll be hard for him not to just, right. because, the, just because of the position and the mm-hmm. scarcity, but yeah. But but it's not as... You were buying Max because he could potentially finish as a top eight running back. Right. Because of luck. Because of luck. Yes. Um, uh, latest update on as the Patriots turn. Oh, boy. Uh, they have re-signed Demarius Thomas to right, a one-year deal. There so you that go. Was, that was not a big surprise. We're breaking news. Yeah. We are breaking news. Not a big surprise. That was sort of the report a couple days ago when he was let go, that uh, there was a very good chance he could re-sign with the team. So now it is official. Nikhil Harry is on injured reserve. Demarius Thomas is back in the fold. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how much we think Demarius Thomas has left. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super exactly. excited about him. Marcus. Um, Josh. I- <laughs> it's all about Josh. <laughs> Uh, random. This isn't even on my on my rundown, but I don't know if you like the Des Bryant posted that he's out running routes and, and he's hoping to be back in the league. Didn't he say like two months ago that he was just like just chilling? He's like, no, nah, I don't really need to play. Now all of a sudden he's saying he wants to be back in the league Maybe by mid October. He's got the itch. He's got the itch again. So uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that you know if if he signs or if, if he looks like he's getting back in the league, uh, I'm sure we'll all get plenty of tweets asking if if you should pick up Des Bryant. And uh, as we sit here on September second, I'm going to say I don't know. So. Uh, there you go. Uh, last little bit of draft season news. The thing that we want to remember for next year, right? When we get we get here this time next year, late August, early September, what is the thing that we want to hopefully have taken away out of this year uh, and to put into practice next year? Graham, like maybe it's a, a mistake you made at some point. It's something that you sort of learn just by, by doing mock drafts and actual drafts. Uh, just a thing you want to just store away for next season. Yeah, one thing I'm going to try and do next year is I, I typically do a bunch of best ball drafts just in preparation to get ready for this season, but also to know like where where players are going and be in tune with ADP. Um, if I feel strongly about a certain player in like June, if let's take, for example, Curtis Samuel is going in the 10th round in June. I, I need to be way more aggressive in trying to draft that player on every single team because there is an advantage. Sure, you, you're going to run into situations where Damian Williams loses value and you picked him in the second round. Th- those situations suck, but the um, the equity that you can gain by drafting earlier, uh, I, I think, is significant. And if you feel very strongly about a player should be not should be going you know, three, four rounds higher. I need to be a lot more aggressive in trying to get that guy in all of my teams um, early in the year if you're drafting super, super early. If you're a degenerate like me, this only applies to like maybe 2% of people listening. But. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it, you, have to, you have to really take everything that you read with a grain of salt on, on social media because fantasy Twitter jumps on everything. There's, there's underreactions. There's overreactions. Typically, there's overreactions with, with almost every bit of news and... We, even in so far as hearing 
reports that LaShawn McCoy is going to be a big part of the Bills offense. I mean, I always bring it back to like when uh, Nathaniel Hackett was the OC in Buffalo. And oh, he told man. us all that CJ Spiller was going to get the football Run until, he, until he throws up. And the only people that threw up were the fantasy owners who drafted him because he was awful. So never me, believe coach speak. Right. You always have to take everything that you read and you see with a grain of salt. And I would also suggest people out there, listen, you're fantasy fans, you know, you're NFL fans. We will influence you somewhat. At the end of the day, it's got to be your decision on what you do and what you believe. So when Andrew Luck retires, you're smart enough to know, I don't think it affects T.Y. that much. I'm not going to move him down too much. Or I think it's going to affect Eric Ebron a ton. We're here. We're useful guides. We have the information. But at the end of the day, be sure that you're very careful uh, not to swing too far one way or the other based on news that may or may not actually be relevant and remember, it's your team and they're your decisions. You're smart and make the best and most educated decisions out there when you're doing your rankings and drafting your teams. Uh, my thing is, well, one, uh, Bob Harris, who was on with us last week, had a great bit of uh, a great line to say, yeah, oh, and I don't, remember- draft, don't draft last year's right. best team, exactly. which, which is fantastic. Yep. Uh, but the other part of it is, look, I know we spend a lot of time looking at, you know, at guys' skill sets, right? And I know everybody likes looking at spark scores and, and spider charts and all those sorts of things. And they're very fun. Um, athleticism doesn't matter as much as fit. Right. Uh, and and I, th- I think I really recognized this uh, about a week or so ago when you know I'm reading people, especially on Twitter, like really pounding the table for how much better of a running back Kenyon Drake is than Kalen Balaj. My response is, OK, sure, he probably is. I'm not really going to fight you on that point. But everything that about that backfield says the Dolphins are going to give Kalen Balaj plenty of opportunity. Um, and so it doesn't matter how much better one guy is than the other if he's not going to be on the field and getting the ball. And I think that applies across the NFL. Sure, we can look at guys and say that this guy's super talented and super athletic uh, and, and he can jump out of the building and this and that. But if he's not on the field and if he's not right. getting targets or touches, it doesn't really matter. Usage and fit is everything. Uh, your perceived evaluation of talent rarely matters. It rarely matters. Right. The only thing that matters is who's going to be on the field, like you mentioned, and, and uh, how they're going pl- to be used when they're on the field. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's it. So, like, you know, don't, that's what you should be project. That's what we should all be projecting is like, right. who's going to get touches, and then when they're on the field getting those touches, how are they going to be used within the context of the offense? Look, if you had, if we had been drafting right after the combine, DK Metcalf would have been like a second round wide receiver. You know, like I, if- I, we sat right there. I was, I'm still blown away watching, like thinking back, watching him run the forty. I mean, it was like freaking like I just. That actually reminds me of, of another situation, too, where fantasy Twitter went all in on Hakeem Butler, and he was the, the greatest thing in the world since sliced bread, and now what? And now, yeah, he's... Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's And now I'm taking late-round dark throws at Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson. So, right. right. Uh, yeah, I, you know, go back to that, that thing in, in Indy, though. I just remember, because if you're there, it's it's just very quiet as everybody's running the 40. You don't hear much. But when... when uh, Metcalf's time popped up. You just heard this this murmur just yeah. go through the building. It was uh, it was wild. So, hey, so there you go. That's our, our draft season wrap up. Hopefully, you are happy with your teams. But if not, well, that's what the waiver wire is for. So that's a perfect segue to our, our preseason waiver wire here. I, I you know there are plenty of guys that are still out there that didn't get drafted in a lot of leagues. If these guys are off the board uh, in your league, then uh, sorry for your luck. You play in a, a league full of smart, speculative people. Um, so I don't know. 
Try better. Uh, but anyway, the, our, our preseason waiver wire, I put a handful of names on this one. The first one, I said just bills, 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 right? Frank Gore is still out there. Uh, his his role looks like it could possibly be increasing with LaShawn McCoy gone. Cole Beasley, John Brown, a couple of guys that I have been taking kind of late shots on because especially Cole Beasley, I think, is going to be sort of a, a safety blanket for, for Josh Allen in that offense. But, um, you know, I know people look at the bills and they don't necessarily get excited about it, but I think there's there are reasons to be optimistic about the, about this offense this year we cut it, it's just the same conversation we had but like is where how do we project the targets like outside of john brown i mean is cole beasley going to see five to six targets per game or like closer to eight um the bills don't really have a tight end but yeah i, I th- <laughs> it's gonna be super annoying when frank gore gets another 150 carries this year, <laughs> i know it is it is i'm just planning on yeah. it it's just i'm really just planning on so it. Like, I'm not even going to be surprised when it happens. I'm just expecting it. Yeah, for me, Marcus, you know, I'm looking at our NFL.com uh, ad drop data, and you know, Justin Jackson is only yeah, owned in he's a, 50% he's on my of leagues. Tony Pollard is available in over 50% of our leagues. Kalen Balaj is available in over 50% of our leagues. You, mentioned, you guys mentioned Frank Gore. He's another player that needs to be owned uh, in, in more fantasy leagues. And let's go a little deeper, too, because a lot of our listeners are in these competitive leagues. You know, Leonard Fournette, I get it. We like him, but yeah. he's had some off-field issues. He's had some injury. Ryquel Armstead is, is a guy who's going to be on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. Justice Hill, if you like to play the game of upside running backs who could potentially make an impact uh, behind a, a, a established veteran, he's in that mix as well. Uh, James Washington, I see him available in a lot of leagues. Maybe not competitive leagues, but I do see him out there. Geronimo Allison is another guy. I mean, there there's players out there. Michael Gallup. Yeah. There's so many guys out there that I, I wish maybe we should just make our rosters bigger so I could just eat up all these upside guys that are still free agents. If you're in like a 12 or 14 team, like any type of deep league, Raquel Armstead is such a nice stash because of Fournette's injury downside. And he's a mm-hmm. clear handcuff. Their number three running back right now is Devino Zigbo, who's a UDFA, got cut by the Saints. Mm-hmm. He is clearly, clearly their number two. Right well, now. Got, you know, it's funny, too, because early on in draft season, I was taking Raquel Armstead kind of late. And I, I stopped yeah. doing that. And I, you know, I do kind of like I, I keep an eye, I keep an eye on his name, though, just because what you mentioned, Leonard Fournette, yep. his injury history suggests that he may not be there. Alfred Alpha. Alfred Blue. That's a Alfred guy. Blue. He's apparently a hard name for me to say in the morning. Uh, he was put on IR over the weekend, yep. too. So. And then, you know, if you're looking in deeper leagues, I mean, Deshaun Hamilton is has not been drafted in a lot of leagues, uh, and I get it, Sanders is back. Hopefully he can sustain through a full season, but, I mean, he's, he's a miracle man right now coming off the Achilles looking the way that he has. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders is Debo a guy. Samuel. I mean, there, there's depending on the size of your league, obviously, but there's a lot of talent out there uh, that could end up making an impact. And remember, guys, every single year it happens, and it's going to happen again. It might happen in week one. We'll see. Somebody's going to go down. Somebody's going to step up. Somebody we didn't expect, a la Philip Lindsay last season, is going to be a fantasy star this season. Yeah, Manny Sanders is a guy I was definitely kind of trying to get in a lot of places. And I think after that game against the 49ers, the, that got a lot harder to yes. do. <laughs> it got a lot yes, harder to did. do. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I don't know if you mentioned him, too. That's a name that I've started to kind of – it looks like he's going to get a role there. Yeah, in, especially in for the, the first four weeks yeah. of the season without Chris Herndon. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jamison Crowder is a name I've started to get excited about as well. I'm, like, kind of low-key – uh, excited about the Jets' offense this year. Oh, I thought you were Loki. Like, oh, from, like I'm, like I'm. Yeah, I thought. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm Thor's evil, <laughs> mischievous brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much. Yeah, Derek Carr, which don't touch him in Week One. Uh, um, horrible matchup, but I mean, he's available in you know over eighty percent of our leagues right now, and and I get it. 
the, the quarterback position is deep, but he does have A.B., Tyrell, Josh Jacobs around him. He could end up potentially being a guy uh, who could be useful. I mean, Josh Allen's 23% owned in our leagues. Yeah. 23%. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and this is, look, some of this is owed to the fact that, like, you know, we spent a year looking at this stuff. And for a lot of folks, you know, yeah. they're just checking in. Same for <laughs> so, 6%. Yeah. They're just, they're just checking in for a lot of folks. So uh, I sort of get it. I understand. So, uh, yeah. We're ready, right? This is it. We're, we're ready for the season to start, right? Uh, we are. We'll be back uh, in a couple of days, and we will preview all of week one. The season gets going officially on Thursday with the uh, Packers-Bears. So uh, we'll talk about that, plus the whole slate of week one games. We, we have made it. We, we, we got through this together, everybody. Um, you yep. know, it took, some, it took some Game of Thrones recaps. It took, uh, some, <laughs> took, took some best shape of our lives updates. Uh, but, uh, but we did it. We made it through the offseason again. And uh, we're glad that you are back with us for another fun ride. So that's it. We are done. We appreciate you downloading and listening. You know the drill. As always, tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, regardless of your taste in music, you got a better ear than Van Gogh. We'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.